Well, I'm delighted to be joined by former Peachtree United, well, defender, winger, midfielder, attacker, versatile, um, Jamie Day. Jamie, first and foremost, you actually work at a, a football club, so you're pretty much in a similar boat to, to all of us at the moment. And in a sense, there's not much you can do. No, not not the minute. Strange circumstances, but um, you know, hopefully the next few weeks we'll, we'll start to, to maybe get some sort of normality back in terms of maybe sort of seeing seeing the lads again and, and I don't know, maybe getting some training sessions going again because obviously after just listening to, to Boris's update, um, it's looking likely that things are starting to go the way we want them to. So fingers crossed we've got to try and be positive. I'm trying to be positive for the lads and speak to them and, and try and say that there's this to look forward to. It has been hard, but now we've got a little bit of kind of information that we might be able to use and, and be a little bit more positive about Mm. Uh, talk you back, take you back to your, your Peterborough United career. I think you made your debut in 2003, which um, two years after I joined, and a long time ago. Um, I think it was against Doncaster in a defeat, from memory serves me correct. Can you remember anything about that whatsoever? Yeah, I can. I, I can remember it really well. I, you know, there's, there's lots that I can't remember, if I'm honest, but that I do remember. I think. I think every player is going to remember their debut, but I do remember obviously Barry was was the the manager at the time, so it was it was Barry that gave me my debut. So I've, I've always had, had a lot to thank him for in in, in that respect. But yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, it wasn't the outcome in terms of the result that we wanted. But obviously, for me, it was a special memory making my debut. Yeah, particularly given the fact that obviously you're part of the academy as well. I guess that. Or the, or the end game for any academy graduate is obviously to play a first team fixture. So when that happened, I guess it was a fulfill, fulfilment of your, your dreams. Yeah, of course. I mean, from a young age, obviously, that's, that, that's your goal, isn't it? To, to make your sort of debut in, in, in the Football League. And, um, you know, I've been at Peterborough for quite a few years, sort of working my way up through the, through the, uh, through the youth um, then into the, the reserves, obviously, and, and then thankfully, um, as I turned 18, Barry was, you know, great, really. He, he gave me my debut. So, yeah, I, I look back and, you know, I, I see Barry every now and then, and um, I always, you know, I don't remind him of it, but, you know, he, he knows he did a lot for me. Yeah, I'd imagine that knowing Barry as we do, his advice to you was probably go out and enjoy it. There probably wasn't too much in terms of detail about it. Was that how you remember it? Just sort of go and enjoy yourself and do, do what you do best? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, funny you say that. Literally to Could the right. I mean, yeah, at the time, I mean, Barry was always good with younger players. Um, and I knew that. So I, I didn't feel any fear, really, even when I was sort of warming up on the side. Maybe there's a few butterflies, but you know, put my mind at ease. And it was literally just a case of no pressure, go and enjoy it. And I think as a young lad, sort of making your debut when you might be a little bit nervous, hearing something like that from, from obviously a manager is, is probably what, what you want to hear. I think by that stage, you'd already been to Manchester United, hadn't you? I think you went to, you went to United at 17 in terms of the, the sort of, um, I'll describe it as a trial because it sounds good, doesn't it, that you're on trial at Manchester United. I mean, you, you went there and obviously played within their academy system. I think you played in the Milk Cup as well and followed in a, a line of a, a number of other players. I don't know, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Obviously, like I said, I've, I've been in the youth team at, at Peterborough and it was not long after Luke Steele had, had gone to United um, and there was a, a, a scout that had been, been at our games obviously, that had been watching Steely as well. Um, and I got a bit lucky um, in terms of the, the United under-17s were, were just going to the Milk Cup and their left-back got injured. 
and next thing Barry got a phone call asking if they could, well, in, in his words, borrow me. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't too bothered. Um, obviously, I jumped at the chance and thankfully we went there. I had a, had a really good tournament. We won the tournament as well. And, and you know, I, I did really well because they, they invited me back for a, a second trial with the older lot. Um, and we went to Jersey a few months after that. So, fantastic experience. Obviously, the Jersey one was amazing. And then a few months um, after that, turning into January, just after Christmas, I went on trial to, to West Ham. So that year was a, was a really sort of enjoyable, enjoyable year for me. And um, I learned loads, both as a player, as a person as well. Um, going in and you know, having those types of experiences was amazing. Was there anyone in that United team at the time that still... That you might have might remember now, or was it all? I suppose it's very difficult, isn't it? In, in, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, you look back now, and obviously, you know, as you look at other people's careers, obviously, keep an eye out on on everyone that you played with or played against, and and the team we won the Milk Cup with, you know, some fantastic players. Name a few that have gone on and done well. Sylvan Banks Blake was a forward. Fraser Campbell up top. Paul McShane, Tom Heaton was in goal. Danny Simpson at right back. Um, starting to name drop a little bit now, yeah. but you can imagine obviously the, t- the the type of squad that we had. So looking back, it's probably no no surprise that we won the Milk Cup that particular year. And and Barry was always good at that, wasn't he? If there were opportunities to to further your development, particularly as a youngster, he would always encourage you to do that. I think you probably nowadays people look at it as you know it's all about a signing and this that and the other. But sometimes it's beneficial, isn't it, to go and have a look and, and surround yourself with a different environment. Oh, absolutely, and, and there's no doubt about it that it made me a better player um, when when I did come back to Peterborough. There's no denying that sort of over those six months when I've been to United twice and, and West Ham, the West Ham one was you know I went I, I tan pro by then, so I went there as a young pro, so I got changed in the in the pros dressing room and things. So um, that what I learned during that period made me a better player, and then ultimately it was then I came back. Barry felt I was ready for my debut, and then not long after that, um, sort of, I started to work my way back um, into the first thing. Yeah, it always amazes me when players have those trial experiences at big Premier League <coughs> clubs and sort of walking into the dressing room for the first time. I mean, it, it's almost like going to school, isn't it? The first day, you don't know anybody. You're sort of looking for someone to hold your hand a little bit. Did somebody do that, or did they just? Uh... Well, it, it it was for me because obviously I was only under seventeen. Um, I, like I said, I turned pro um, at Peterborough um, a month or two before I went. Um, but obviously, with, with my age, and I hadn't played in our first in, in Peterborough's first team at the time. Um, I obviously I went there expecting to change in in the uh, in the under 17s or under 18s changing room. And next thing I know, I I get told that I'm getting changed here, and I walk in, and obviously all the familiar faces are in there: Defoe, Carrick, people like that. that I'm thinking, I think something's gone a little bit, bit wrong here. But luckily for me, Matthew Everton was, was there at the time. Um, and, and obviously, being from Cornwall, he's from Cornwall. I'd, I used to stay at the house quite a few times on a regular basis when he was at Peterborough. And I just started, you know, I just joined the club. So lucky he was in there. He, he, he took me under his wing a little bit. I always, I always think that left-footed players a little bit more stylish than right-footed players. And I'm saying that as a right-footed player. But they always, always, when someone says they're left-footed, people always sort of perk up, don't they? And say, well, we, we need a bit of balance. Yeah. This bit on the other. When you were sort of coming through and making your debut, obviously the fact that you're left-footed means that you can play in so many different positions and provide balance. Did you think that was an advantage coming through at the time? 
Oh, 100%. And it, it's something that, you know, obviously I've gone into coaching now and, and it's something I try and tell our under-18s now that, um, you know, it, you, you need luck sometimes. And, you know, I get asked a lot of questions about how I did this or how I did that, what worked for me, what didn't. But what people don't think understand is, is how much luck that you need. Yes, you create your own luck, but you do need opportunity as well. Um, and I do feel, you know, I think back to back to my youth team days and, you know, I wouldn't say I was, I wouldn't say I was in the top few best players of, of that particular youth team even. Um, I had a good attitude, which, which I always maintained throughout my career, but um, 100% agree with you, Phil, that being left-footed gave me, you know, probably a, a bit more of a chance, a bit more of a head start than, than other, other players in other positions. Mm. And, and obviously, um, you, you found a, 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 that versatility, the fact you could play left wing, you played left wing back, you played left back, you played, you played inside one as well. Um, I always find that when players say they can play in a number of positions, what they really mean is, I really wish I could play in one position and only play in one position. Did you see yourself as a winger full stop when you were growing up? Uh, when I was growing up, absolutely. Um, and then obviously it was the gaffer that, that kind of reverted me back to, to left back because he wanted to play with attacking fullbacks. And that's kind of when we first started to see the new kind of era of, of attacking foot, you know, fullbacks. But for me, it suited me down to the ground being a, an out and out winger. Um, you know, it, I, I was quite happy. I, I literally I remember the first day of training of, of doing 11 v 11 and he put, put me back there. And in my head, I thought, I don't know how to defend. I've never defended in my life before. I know how to attack, but I remember him saying to me, I'm not interested in that. All I want you to do is in possession, get on your bike. And literally that was the message. So it suited me down to the ground. And I remember it well because it was at the time when it was not long after Patrice Evra was signed for, for United. And you, you just started to see the kind of change in how fullbacks were playing. And I think obviously it, it then went into the gaffer's head and that's how we wanted to to change his style of play and, and introduce it to the club because obviously it was a big change to, to the club as well. I've, I've never experienced it. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because you, you um, often find that players that develop need to develop by looking at other people and you know it's all right saying right you're going to play fullback and this is what I want you to do but if you've got someone to model that kind of position on then it doesn't half help and whenever you ask a player who their hero is nine times out of ten it's someone that's played in that position. Yeah absolutely and then that was the case for me sort of the, as a winger um, and then obviously going back to when I then went to a left back I did start to look at sort of how other players were were playing it and obviously I mentioned Patrice Everett there, I, I used to watch his United games, I remember his debut, I don't know if you remember, but it was horrendous, um, he had the, one of the worst games ever um, and after that he obviously started to show his, his potential and, and really it was, it was kind of just the attacking side of his game that, you know, yes, yes the defending side was obviously important for me to learn and if, I, if I'm honest I look back and I was probably got caught out and found out a few times but I'd like to think that you know, what I offered going forward was sort of overweighed and overshadowed and um, probably what I lacked defensively. Yeah, when you look back at your career, because you played under so many different managers, so many different styles of managers, obviously from, from Barry at the start, through the Big Ron era, through Keith, through, through Darren, and, and they all had something, something different. As a young player, did you feel you had to sort of impress all over again every time a new manager came in? Yeah, I think that's the case with, with, with a lot. I think even sort of proven senior pros now, they, they know when a new manager comes in, it's, 
you know, you, you, you've really got to, you know, you start from scratch again. It's a clean slate, as they always like to say. And, and I think it's important, and I think it does freshen things up as well. And it obviously gives you a little bit of a point to prove. Some managers will come in. I remember some that I played for would instantly sort of like you, and you just get a sense of it. But other times you'd kind of get a manager come in and you know, they might not talk to you for six weeks until they've seen, properly seen you play. And that happened to me in a, in a, in a couple of situations at, at Peterborough, funnily enough. Mm. Um, I've spoken to, uh, obviously, a couple of players that played during the Big Ron era, Dean Holden, Danny Crow, Adam Newton, um, some more, more in front of the camera in terms of the show, some that weren't. Um, you, you sort of blended a little bit into the background, which is probably what, you, what was the intention at the time, and you probably got away with it a little bit because you were a younger player. When you look back on that time, do you, do you sort of think, how, how did I sort of get through that? Because it was quite a challenging time, I'd imagine, as a player. It was, but I really enjoyed it, <laughs> funny enough. I, I did. I, I really enjoyed kind of that, that period. Obviously, you know, the, the whole programme, obviously, there were certain things that didn't look great. But for, for me, you know, I was, I, was, I was knocking on the door of playing in the first team. Um, I'd start a few games and then I'd kind of be on the, on the bench a few games. Um, so I had a lot to prove as well. So, you know, I, I look back and at that group, I, I thought we had a fantastic group of, of players and characters in, in there as well. There was a lot, lot that went on, don't get, get me wrong. Uh, but I look back at that with, with fond memories, to be honest. Where were you when the fists were being flown? Were you in that dressing room? Well, if you watch, Phil, I jump in right at the end. <laughs> when it had calmed down and when, when you think yeah, there was no... Yeah, when it calmed down and all the big guys, Arves and that, Cardi had kind of cleared off out of the way. That's when I kind of jumped in a little bit. Nice. I mean, it was quite interesting because obviously you were similar in terms of the journey that you made to Ryan Semple and, and still probably is quite similar in terms of the journey you're making now as a, as a, as a two. Um, same sort of player in terms of wanting to get wide and get crosses into the box. Did you sort of help each other, particularly during that period of time? Yeah, it's, it's a good point, actually. You know, we, we were, we were both at the time uh, when we were both making our debuts, we were both quite direct wing wingers. Um, and yeah, we, obviously Semps was, was a year older and he was a little bit more advanced in terms of sort of playing in the first team at, at that particular time. But yeah, so I certainly looked at what he was doing and, and kind of gave me a bit of an idea of, of how I wanted to see myself sort of, you know, over the next sort of six to 18 months. Um, but no, Semps did a lot for me as well. Obviously, year older in the youth team, I'm still really good friends with him. And, and even now, I bring him a, a lot in terms of asking him for a lot of coaching advice. Obviously, he's been coaching a lot longer than I, I have and done fantastic now. Um, really, really, really well in terms of, sort of where he's been and over the last three or four years. What he's got on his CV now as a coach is fantastic. And I think he'll, he'll keep moving forward in the right direction, to be honest. How good was Danny Crow as someone that saw him close up in training? Obviously, he had a very good goal record. In fact, when we spoke to him, his goal record, I think, was 33 and 99. He was one in three, just, under, just over one in three, which at that time was a, was a fantastic goal record for, for the level we were at. How, how good was he, do you think? And do you think he could have actually gone on and, and done a lot better than he potentially did? Yeah, I mean, if I, if I think back to it, sort of, you know, I was a pro probably nine, ten years. And... I'd probably say was was the best finisher in terms of technically the best finisher I've I've played with. Um, 
certainly sort of in training you'd see it and obviously in, in, in the games that, that he played for Peterborough like you just said he had a really good record that one season where obviously he scored all those goals as well and really thought he was he was going to get a sort of a, a move to the championship and I think if that had happened I think he probably would have kicked on then um, obviously things in football that don't always work out like you expect them to be but certainly in terms of his, his, his technical ability in front of goal I, I think it's probably one of the best I've, I've played with. Mm. Um, when Bleo quit, um, uh, he obviously came as a as a massive shock, I'm sure, to everybody in, in the dressing room. I always I always find it interesting watching it back, and I've watched it back hundreds of times, um, seeing the reactions of players that are on camera. But obviously, there was a lot that weren't on camera at the time. What were you thinking? What, uh, were you thinking, what is going on here, or did you just accept this happened and there's not much you could do about it? Well, I think I was on the I was going to be on the bench that game, and I remember just thinking, "Oh, that might mean I start now because Barry might tear the team." <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, look, you look back now, and I, I don't think things like that would happen these days, would they? And I think that's why you look back and with, with so much of a smile on your face because you know, they're, they're, like I said, there, there wasn't great things that were shown, and, and obviously, for, from a fan's point of view, that they probably looked at that and thought, well, you know, that, that's shocking, really, and, and like I said, there, there were certain things that, that weren't good enough, but um, I just remember thinking that, you know, this, this is, this, you couldn't write it, could you? And I, I knew all the cameras were obviously in there as well, and um, yeah, I, I know exactly the reaction that you were talking about, it's when Shane Puke and Crow start laughing as well, um, but... Yeah, it was it was it was a really really strange sort of six weeks. I think they were there for about six seven weeks. I think the cameras and yeah, I don't think they could have probably got any more than they wanted. To be honest, um, Ron Atkinson as a as a as a person, I always remember him. He was very approachable and very um, knowledgeable. Obviously, is he someone that actually, as a young player, you'd be foolish not to speak to? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I mean, I don't think he really liked me right at the start. Um, I don't know why, but again, going back to sort of like managers and, and proving yourself and things like that, you know, for, for the first week or two, I didn't really kind of get a, a great vibe from him. Um, but then obviously the, the more he was kind of there, um, sort of games that sort of he, he attended, he started to have more of an input. And certainly in, in training, um, he, he's, he did a lot of work with me as well. And, you know, it's, I look back and, and, you know, like I said, certain things weren't great. I know a lot of those things during that time with those characters, those players, those managers, it no doubt made me a better football player. Mm. As time progressed, you sort of found a little, I say a little niche as a free kick taker. I mean, I think you scored five or six in your time at Peterborough, but you went through a, a very purple period where I think you scored two at Wrexham and then one at Barnet, all from free kicks. Was was that something that you actually practised? Because obviously at that time, there were quite a lot of, free kick takers around, I think. You must have yeah, you must yeah. have won uh, rock, paper, scissors to get on them, I think. Yeah, no, I'm not, I, I mean, I, I did practice them, yeah. Um, I didn't score many goals, as you know, but um, my assist ratio wasn't too bad at times. But yeah, no, I, I don't know why. I, just, I didn't score. Looking back, that's one thing I, I always say. I, looking back, I didn't score anywhere near the amount of goals I should have done. Um, but certainly the ones I did were, were the majority of free kicks. And yeah, I remember them well, obviously highlights and I think the Wrexham game was was a and, and the barn I think they were quite close together yeah. and, you know, the year we got promoted from from League Two um, and they were important games if I remember both away games um, and we, they were important six points that we got so 
yeah, made it um, made it a little bit more special as well. The, the fact that we were obviously working and, and heading towards promotion. Yeah, um, everyone says that um, the people I've spoken to with regards to Darren, when he first walked through the door, I think um, three people have said exactly the same thing. Oh, I can't believe how young he is. Um, how is he going to be our manager? How is he going to have that discipline and, and sort of, you know, that you could look up to as a manager? Did you think that at the time or did you think, you know, just because of his um, Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, no, to be honest, because I was quite young, so I, I didn't really think too much into it. But as you say, I know a lot of senior pros at the time did think that. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, I'm not sure how this, this is going to go, but... I mean, within within days, you, you just knew what he was going to bring to the table and the changes that he were going to make were, were so instant. Um, and, you know, he, he just got everyone on side, which you need to do if you're going to be a good manager, certainly if you're a young manager like he was at the time. And he did, he got everyone on side, everyone bought into his philosophy, everything that he wanted to do, all the changes he made. And you can just see the professional standards that he brought in, which obviously everyone bought into, like I say. Yeah, I think that's the thing. When, when I look back to Darren's first spell in charge as manager, obviously been back several times since, but the, there were three things that I always remember. One, don't get on the wrong side of him. Two, he's got ruthless banter um, in, in terms of he, he will come for you for anything. You know, if my shoes were bad and they were, he would come for them. Um, and thirdly, you, you knew, as you, you mentioned that word, professionalism. And it was probably what was required after, you know, a, a couple of spells where perhaps professionalism wasn't where it should have been? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the best thing sort of about the gaffer I, I felt was he, he had the perfect balance. And as you said, if, if he crossed him, if, it, if standards weren't up to scratch, you knew about it. But at the same time, his man management, his banter, sort of, he, he knew how to get someone on side. And I can imagine he's still like that now. Um, but and that's to be honest, that's one thing I've taken, you know, into my coaching now. I, I take a lot from from what I learned from my managers, but obviously a lot from the gaffer. Um, and, and it's important to have that balance. If you're too far one way, they're not going to go on side. But if you're too far the other way, then obviously you're not going to reach the standards that obviously need to be implemented. So I thought he had the balance right, and I think um, I always say I get asked the question a lot: who's, who's the best manager I've played under? And, you know, assist the gaffer, hands down. How, how much did promotions mean to you, particularly as someone that had come through the academy? Because sometimes players can be signed from non-league. And I remember I spoke to Welps and, and Chaz and they were like, oh, this is easy. You just come in, get a promotion, happy days. But I suppose if you've been at the club a little while longer, it will mean a little bit more to you. Yeah, well, obviously I joined at 13, uh, moved up at at 15 turning 16. So I've been at the club a long time and I've, I've seen a lot of changes um and you know to to get to be involved first and foremost with, with a pro promotion was was obviously unbelievable but i completely bought into the the city itself obviously being from cornwall obviously it's totally different as you can imagine to, to city life so i had to make a lot of changes personally and, and you know as a, as a character um and you know once i moved up i totally bought into living in the city and you know i, I went to school obviously finished my year 11 GCSEs um, in Peterborough and so I'd been around the city for, for a good five or six years until we got our first promotion or my first promotion mm. um, so uh, yeah I remember it, it being re really special. Yeah um, unfortunately for you obviously injuries played a part as, you, as the, the time <coughs> progressed and I always remember the, the sort of 
you know, press conference that we did where you were sort of talking about how your back was affecting you and, and how it was really getting to the point whereby, you know, you couldn't train and this, that and the other. Um, I, I guess when you look back on that time now, um, you must be a little bit proud of yourself because you came through a very, very tough period and, and a lot of people would have fallen under the wayside. Yeah, I mean, I weren't in a good way um, without getting the violins out. I, I, I really wasn't. You know, it wasn't once on my back problem, you know, my real bad back problems had started. It, it wasn't a case of, oh, you know, my, my career's ending. What, what do I do now? It was, it was everyday life that I was struggling with. Um, and it, it took me a good sort of year, 18 months to, to really, you know, get the pain under control. Um, like the amount of specialists I saw, the amount of trips into London. Um, thankfully, the PFA was supporting me because obviously I was out of contracts at the time. I'd moved back to Peterborough after finishing at Crawley. So, you know, looking back, it, it really was. It wasn't a good time. Um, but thankfully, I, I come through it. Um, you know, I kind of ended up moving back down to Cornwall just to kind of get myself you know, together again, rented my house out and things. And, and luckily I, I got the pain under control, as I said, and, and I was able to slowly but surely sort of start looking at, you know, my, my next career, really. Mm. It's only really in the last three, four years where the word mental health have been discussed within football. But, you know, having worked at a football club for the last 19 years and seen, you know, thousands of players come through the door, literally thousands during Barry's time as, as manager, um, you know, that part of the game was never really discussed and I, I imagine for you particularly given the injury problem that you had that was that was really tough from a mental standpoint. Yeah obviously like, like I said I mean a lot of players struggle with with finishing football and, and are unsure in sort of how to to cope with never having those highs again and there's loads of different reasons where obviously they, they, they suffer with but for me it wasn't it wasn't really about my career as I said it was, it was struggling to to cope with everyday life again and, and worrying about never maybe being able to get a job and, and all these types of things so it was a, it was a different once I, once I finished and retired it was, it was a different type of sort of um, you know f thinking process that I had to kind of go through um, which which it wasn't easy you know I'm not gonna lie it wasn't it wasn't but you know I took my time I sort of you know I had a lot of support friends family thankfully the PFA were, were very helpful people you know that had done a lot for me in football you know, was still showing me a lot of support. So, you know, with, with everyone's help, I managed to get through it. And, um, yeah, I moved myself back down to Cornwall, give myself a year or two just to kind of get going again. And, and thankfully now I work full-time for Club 5 out. Yeah, a lot of people, when they come through the other side, that the easiest thing to look forward is to do it in, in short steps, isn't it? It's not to plan too much and say you're going to do this, this, this and this. But I guess, you know, when you finish playing in a career that you love so much, staying in it was always going to be such a, a, a real desire for you. And, and the route you've taken now and where you are now is, is to be applauded because, as I say, it would be very easy for, for people to just wipe their hands completely of it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and when you see it happen, um, you know, it's happened to a lot of, uh, of ex-players, unfortunately. But, you know, there's a lot that I have to kind of go through this process as well. That You know, you can say the same thing to, to lots. And there are, you know, it is, it is one of those things that at some point you know your career is going to end. Um, obviously, for me, I didn't expect it to end at, at 26, 27. I wanted to be playing until I was, well, about now, 34, 35. Um, but it, it wasn't to be, so I, I had to kind of get my head around it. It wasn't easy at times, but... And like it isn't for a lot of people, but you know, I, I managed to get there in the end. But you know, one thing I look back at, you know, 
I, I get asked, you know, any regrets? Do you have any regrets? I've got some. I've got a few, which are, you know, I'm not going to bore you going into, Phil. But the, the, the main one is really that I, I wasn't able to stay as fit as, as I would have liked to have. Um, I get reminded of it when I come to the games and I get chatting to, to Peterborough fans and they were so, oh, well, you never remained fit enough. You didn't fulfil your full potential and... And all of these types of things, and and that's how I see things as well, which is probably the hardest thing to to get my head around. Because yes, I did have a lot of success, had some good memories, some good times. But I look back, and you know, I, I still think that if I'd have remained fit and and stayed clear of injuries under mainly the gaffer, really, you know, I would have I would have had a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Particularly when you listen to young coaches come through, they, they have so many experiences and most of them can be good experiences with a splattering of bad experiences. But actually, as a budding coach and as a, as a coach that you hope going to be really successful in the future, there are so many things that you can try and educate, particularly the younger generation, because, you know, as you say, you talk about potential, you've played over 100 games for the club, you've had a, a decent career within the Football League, you probably had to deal with a, a number of things Big run injuries, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and and the biggest one, of course, is to, you know, and again speaking to other players, they all say the same thing. They never really enjoy the career in the moment, and they look back on their career and wish they had have done. Enjoyed the promotions a little bit more, enjoyed the good times, the goals, um, and I guess when you're educating the next generation, it's to cherish the career that they have. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I remind them of every day in training. To be honest. Um, you know, it, it is one of those things, it's a cliche that, you know, don't take things for granted, but 100% I took, oh, it's not I took things for granted, but maybe it is that at that time you, you don't, you don't realise you need to make the most of that particular time, you kind of just sort of go with the moment, but absolutely looking back, um, you know, I, I should have maybe sort of realised how lucky I was at that particular time. Um, I, I never felt like I actually took it for granted. Um, but certainly, you know, with, with how things worked out for me and in terms of my injuries and, and how I had to finish early, I look back and probably those those highs, those successes, I probably should have enjoyed a little bit more. But at the same time, I remember remember the gaffer saying to me, you know, or as all really, you know, enjoy the highs. Don't have your highs too high, but don't have your lows too low. And it's, it's a good little saying, really, because it's obviously, you know, enjoy the success when you have it. But when you have your lows in terms of a bad game, you know, pick yourself up and move on quickly from it. And it's a quote that I've always sort of stuck by, really. I've gone into coaching now, as I said. Um, it's something I remind the lads of a lot, um, you know, when, when they have a poor game or they're injured or they've been out for three months and they're a bit low. Um, you know, it's something that I do try. And like I said, take a lot from what I did in, in terms of my playing career, what I learned from other managers, and now what I'm going to do in, in my coaching career. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about your coaching career, you're clearly passionate about it and you're clearly enjoying it. And I, I, always, I always wonder sometimes how coaches plan ahead because from obviously you're coaching the under-18s at the moment, so obviously you have a, an age range that you're coaching. Do you think you get, I mean, you're obviously in a fledgling coaching career, but you, you enjoy seeing development, I guess, at that level. And that's what you want to see. You give someone advice, they take it on board and score. Part of your brain's thinking, well, I've, I've helped help to get the that bit out of that particular player. Um, and, and that's what that's what it's all, all about. That's what that's what coaching is, just seeing that development. Um, what you know, both individually for for a player, but then as a, as a group of players as well, and as a as a team, and, and it is rewarding. 
Um, you know, they don't always work out. There's, there's certain things I've, you know, I've learned over the last few years and thought maybe I should have done that differently. But again, that's part of development for, for me as a coach. But um, certainly, I, I look back at my, my career, <clears throat> mainly at Peterborough, and, and I look back at the, the managers and the players that I paid, played with. I, I was very lucky. Um, you know, I've already said in the youth team, I, I probably wasn't the best player um, in terms of who's going to make it, etc. Um, but one thing I did, I had a good attitude, I was hard working and I always listened to people, managers, senior pros, and I was very lucky that I had a lot of people, you know, that, that took me under their wing and, and helped me out really and helped me develop both as a person, living away from a family at a young age, you know, seven hours away. You know, that, that was a big, big aspect, lots of support from people and then obviously as a player as well. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because I've spoken to so many former players who've gone in to the coaching route or have seen, you know, obviously Matthew Edrington and Simon Davies are currently running the under-18s at the football club. Obviously, Dave Farrell and Jack Collison have held that position previously and are doing <coughs> within it at the moment. I spoke to Andy Edwards, who obviously is working at the FA, who used to play for the football club, David Oldfield. There are countless examples of, of players that have gone into coaching that have had Peter United on their sort of playing CV. Maybe, maybe we'll, you know... You know, taking for granted what a what a what a club it is to provide a coaching ground in. Maybe maybe all all FA courses should be held at London Road. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it seems to be that way, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, no, it seems like a lot of a lot of sort of ex players certainly that have been involved with the, with the club have, have gone into coaching. But it's, it's good to see. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that haven't played the game that say, oh, well, just because you played the game, you get handed your badges. Well, you know, that, that's not the case. And just because you played the game, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good coach. You know, for me, I played the game, but then I, I've had to retake all my coaching badges. And it's, it's those that I've gone on added with the experience of going and coaching that, that's made me, well, what I'd like to think now is a, is a reasonably good coach now. So, you know, it wasn't a case of finish football and then all of a sudden you just go straight into coaching. You've got to earn your stripes again and, and go on, on, a, on a little journey, really, just like you did as a, as a player, sort of going out through the youth and developing that way. I mean, you've got to do the same in coaching. Um, you say you're at Plymouth Argyle, obviously, they've given you the opportunity to sort of start that coaching career. I'd, I'd imagine you're very thankful for that opportunity, and you can say so now. But um, what, what is the, the, the sort of long-term dream? Do, do you want to be a, a first-team manager, or do you see yourself coaching younger, younger pros? To be honest, I, I mean, where, where I am now, in, I live in Truro now, which is right in the middle of Cornwall, central of Cornwall. I'm very, I'm very settled here and, you know, Plymouth's still a good sort of hour and a quarter's drive for me. So, um, you know, it's the nearest pro, pro club. Um, and, you know, my wife's a dance and drama lecturer, not, not far from here. So, so we're quite settled in, in the area, to be honest. We, we've we've moved, moved house sort of only a couple of years ago. We've got a young family. Um, so it's... You know, at, at this moment in time, posture. At this moment in time, I think we're quite settled, um, and, and opportunities for me down here are, are limited, if I'm honest. Um, as opposed to living in up country in, in bigger cities where you might be able to get further opportunities. But you know, look, progressing into maybe men's football which is something that you know I think I'll, I'll have an interest in. Um, but at this moment in time, I'm enjoying sort of learning, learning the ropes, sort of know with the, with the under 18s developing as a coach and and you never know i'm never saying never to anything to be honest but at this moment in time i'm, I'm quite settled um, and just finally I, i've been asking this question to everybody that i've interviewed and you're obviously at a club at the club for 
over what seven years in terms of a pro and obviously as a youth team player before um you saw some wonderfully talented players um during your your time who is the top three in terms of the players that you played with during your time at posh for any reason top top three for uh so early, early on very early on um <clears throat> would, would be jimmy bullard Mm-hmm. Um, break breaking in with, with, with even just mentioning and it just makes you laugh doesn't it some of the things he did and you remember more than more than me but um, you know in terms of training with him um, it wasn't long before obviously he moved to Wigan but it, you know I, I had a few months of training with the first team um, and playing in some games with him um, certainly I, I put Jimmy Bullard in there uh, so it's a tough one really definitely put to my Put my old mate Boydie in there. Obviously, he's back at the club. Um, you know, I, he, he tries to, to wind me up and say, oh, well, you know, I, I made your career because all you had to do was pass me the ball from left back. And, you know, there's probably an element of truth in that as well. We had a good little partnership down the left-hand side. So what, what, what he's gone on and done and, and sort of how he was as a pro and, you know, consistently done it at the top level, I'd have to put Boydie in there. Um, and then... Tough one. I'm going back early days. Leon McKenzie was obviously in there. He, he was brilliant to be around. Really helpful for me in terms of a, a young younger player coming through. Um, he's gone on and done really well. You know, Aaron McLean, Craig McCall Smith. It would be harsh to not put one of them in. Mm. Um, but obviously they come as a pair, Phil. So I'll put them in as well. All right. So I'll go with Jimmy Bullard. George Boyd and then the Mac Attacks kind of a, a pair, aren't they? So I'll put them in there. And Aaron's obviously at the club now, so they enjoy that one. 